0: Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com
1: Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified
2: Coach, Christopher McCullough. Hi, welcome back to The Coaching Show. I am Alex Terranova. Normally, we would be here with Christopher McCullough. The host of the show who's been hosting the show and bringing the show to you for, I don't know, 17, 20 years about. It was a radio show first and it has become a podcast. All things coaching, the brightest minds in coaching, the best newest ideas in coaching. Um, let me tell you a little about me. If you're the first, first time you're here and you're like, wait, what's going on? I'm confused. So Christopher McCullough is a master certified coach. He has been coaching for, God, I mean, I don't know, 20 plus years. He is the founder of Accomplishment Coaching, uh, which is where I met him. Uh, he trained me about seven years ago. And so I've been now been a coach for seven years. I'm a professional certified coach. I also have a podcast called The Dream Mason Podcast, I wrote a book called Fictional Authenticity and I co-authored the best-selling book, Redefining Masculinity. So you can check those out. If you want to know more about me, you can go to thedreammason.com. If you want to know more about all the podcasts that uh, Accomplishment Media, the creator and producer of this show creates, you can go to AccomplishmentMedia.com and find out a whole bunch more about this show and all the other shows we do. I want to jump in and talk to our guests because I feel like I'm going to, there's something I really want to learn today, um, but we're probably going to learn a bunch from her. So our guest today is a, she has an MBA. She has a, an, an, I think it's a master's in, is it a master's in science? Is it MS or what's MS? Yes. What, master's, master's in, in science. Yep. In, in psychology. She is a graduate of the Academy of Leadership and an NLP coach she has a passion for horses which led her to some amazing self discovery and ultimately to s- facilitate experiential learning and subsequently to professional leadership coaching well that's really cool i know horses are like one of the um most uh, i guess like embodied or somatic animals like they really connect with humans they can feel our feelings um mm-hmm. you heard her voice a moment ago her name is carmen acton welcome to the coaching show how are you
3: Great. Thanks, Alex. I'm excited to be here and uh, have this conversation with you today.
2: So there's there's so much like uh, that I want to like dive into because I'm really interested in NLP. I've been interested in NLP for a while. I think we hear about this a lot. I'm sure people listening are curious that have not done NLP are curious about it. Also, I'm also this the the horses aspect. Um <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the first thing I'm curious is like, how did you get here, right? Because you have an MBA, you have a master's in science and psychology, and now you're coaching. Like, what's the, what's your kind of journey to this, to where you are now?
3: So, so I started out in um, environmental compliance for an energy company. So I have a technical background. And when I was doing my MBA, I took a course on group dynamics. And that was like a OMG. OMG every supervisor should understand a lot more about about how people interact and and how you kind of bring people together so that was kind of the the beginning and i've always have been very passionate about horses and and i realized over time that it wasn't the horse's problem it was my problem
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and it was how I was communicating, right, and it was my impatience, so they are, like you were saying, they're very, they're very, well, they're a prey animal, right, so they're, they're very much in tune with what's going on in their environment, and they can read people, um, and so I started down the path, also, I became a, a PonaQuest a certified instructor, which basically means I did a bunch of work in order to work with people and horses and enable some really rich uh learning and insights very very powerful
2: i uh, I have a little bit of horse experience, not a lot uh, i I think they're amazing animals, but they also were not the most fun for me to ride um but I did have an experience like I loved feeding them being around them I kind of spent like two years with horses um recently and I over the pandemic I got to go on like a two-week uh excursion try, taking a horse from San Diego to South Dakota and oh wow it, process I got to like spend a lot of time with these horses but I also was in South Dakota riding and um uh what were we doing we were like moving cattle to different mm-hmm. different place so we were riding and uh the first day I think I was on a horse for like 8 hours and the second day I said I will not be getting on a horse so, I was pretty lucky that the guy who had the ranch had a, a four wheeler and he was like, We'll all ride horses. You can ride the four wheeler. <laughs> um, but there was a moment where we were on the horse, and most of the time it was fine. It was like really, I just wasn't comfortable, right? It was like mm-hmm. my, yeah. my hands, my knees, like I wasn't used to that. But there was a point where at one point um, we started kind of galloping. And I got uncomfortable, right? We were going like a little too fast for my, where I was comfortable. And what happens when you're uncomfortable on something that's moving fast, you tighten up, right? Yeah. So my legs tighten up, my body tightens up. Well, what does that tell it? The horse, I mean, I learned this, right? The horse hears that as like, go faster, like (laughs) pressure on them. So instead of, which is so interesting, right? They don't interpret the tightness as like, oh, he's afraid. It's the signal to like now they're you're you're inputting that energy into them, so then they go faster, which only makes the situation worse, and the people I was with were like, no, you need to relax if you relax, the horse would relax,
1: yes, yeah. I was yeah. like this yeah.
2: is this is terrifying and counterintuitive <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a uh, <laughs> a bit of a defining moment
2: it was it it was um it was scary. Like legitimately, I, when the horse took off, I mean, it was scary because you, that first thought is how am I going to get this horse to slow down? I yeah. can't jump. It's not like you can jump off. Yeah. Uh, so there was definitely, it was probably, I've jumped out of airplanes or an airplane. Um, I think when that horse took off, it was as scary as the moment when I, you know, stepped out of the airplane yeah. uh, because that sense of like no control is just completely taken
3: right and and what do you imagine the horse thought when you mm. grabbed on um probably the same thing right like I
2: clenched and the horse probably got scared also so the horse takes off to get away from the clenching
3: yeah he, he might think there's a predator and and it's on his back now mm. all of a sudden
2: uh, yeah
3: Yeah. What, um, how,
2: like, I, and so I've never, I've, I've heard about this and I actually know that there's people that use horses, right. And you kind of talked about this in coaching or therapeutic Mm -hmm. arena. Yep. Can you say a little about like how that works? So,
3: so I'm, I'm just going to respond to your question. And if your question is something different, just, just, uh, recalibrate me. So, so basically, um, When I was working on my master's uh, in psychology, I actually did it around uh, generative learning, freedom, horses, and organization development. So so I I looked at different programs at the time. And in essence, the horses, they can pick up that energy from you in the ground, right? and from from your body, so it really, they really help people become more present to themselves. Even if they're just grooming, if if they're grooming them and and reflecting on a question that you give them, it's amazing what insights they the the individual can come up with as a result of spending kind of that contact
0: time. And really, being more introspective. That's great. And, and there's well. a lot of different things you can do. For example, um, you can you can use
3: it has to be a horse that enjoys the work to begin <laughs> with, right? <laughs> but
2: like but, a good like a good coaching client, right? Like they Yeah, gotta, right.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's like, and sometimes the the you can do exercises where The person doesn't get to select the horse. The horse gets to select the person. And and what's the reflection the person has around that? What insight do they have as a result of that? There's so many things that you can do that just stimulate curiosity or Mm self-awareness. So so there was a group I was working with once. an intact team with their boss. and the horse, the the boss was trying to lunge the horse, and the horse was terrified of this person. And the group started crying, right? And so when we debriefed it, their response was this is this is how you how we feel when you're interacting with us, which was a blind spot for that particular boss, right? around how strongly and
0: um, this particular individual came across with a team. So. Let's, let's talk about to you. One of the things that I know when I was like reading about you, that a lot of what
2: you talk about is, or a lot of what I like, what I saw um, is this idea that like, Hey, the power's within us, that uh, it's up to us as coaches, maybe with our clients help us realize that hey if we want to like change our brain grow our brain that's like our responsibility
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: I I personally am like right there with you I am abs- like I'm a beautiful example of someone who like was completely different decided I didn't like who I was didn't want to live the way I was living and and really rewired my neural pathways and now I think completely different than I used to think mm-hmm. now you told me this Seven years ago, I would have laughed at you. This is I would have you know this is who I am. Uh, For people that are new to coaching and haven't had this experience, they haven't seen full transformation. How do you, how do you kind of convey to people that hey, it's your responsibility, it's your life, you can change the way your mind operates?
3: So, um, you know, from a coaching perspective, it really is around asking questions that help the person come to their own personal insights.
0: Um, With regards to a coach, a lot of it
3: has to do with, you know, if you really think about it, we are electricity and chemicals, right? So we've got over a billion neurons just in our brain and and you you think about the galaxy there's over 200 billion stars in our galaxy like how do you fit all that stuff in into a brain so the the brain itself has unlimited potential and it's around how we really look at things do we do we come at things with the growth mindset right and and basically in order to do that it does take some self reflection it takes some shifting of our mindset more often than not a lot of us and and even myself we have limiting beliefs we have thoughts that are holding us back
0: from what what we more fully can do or bring to the world if you will what what have you seen with clients like personal results like what where have you seen people completely
2: change their the way their mind works or the way they see the world like what are your favorite kind
0: of stories or situations
3: so so one of my favorites
0: um one of my favorites was an individual who really had
3: a perspective that she could not own her own business. She could not be successful. Um, she had a lot of stories with regards to what her capability was. And, and as we worked through it and really kind of played with what are some experiments, what are some, Small, it's like we're not in the Olympics, right? we're We're building up to run a marathon. So so how do we start practicing? Because what we want to do is build up more of a sort of a perfect practice in order to move towards a new transformation. So with her, in her particular case, what we did was we looked at her um, life journey. And we did some somatic exercises, and and what I mean by that is actually stepping into um, the future and coming back, doing a letter from the future. What if you had a magic wand? What would that look like? And then actually putting a plan together. And it and it took a good eighteen months um, for her to then start coming. And it's like, wow, I was able to do this. And I I just, you know, for her, it was such a big, big thing. She completely pivoted her
0: um, outlook and she pivoted her kind of future trajectory, if you will. I love the um, that
2: you said that it took 18 months because I think so often when people come to coaching, they think, oh, I'm going to get this thing or whatever in a very quick fashion and I shared, you know, I've been doing this for seven years and I want to say I started to see shifts after a year or two, right? Like I really started to see things, but seven years now my whole brain is different, right? Like we've completely rewired my brain. And if you think about it, most people are probably coming to coaching post 30. Let's just, Mm -hmm. right. I'm throwing that on average, let's say at least they're probably above 30. So if you, Say, hey, somebody's been operating with a mindset, a perspective, habits, behaviors for roughly 30 years. And then you show up to work with a coach. Well, if you've been if you had a habit for 30 years, right, it's going to take a little bit of time. Now, there's no set amount of time. Some people could be faster or slower, but it will take some time to shift those patterns, habits, behaviors, even perspectives.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um. So I like that you shared because often people are like, well, why do we have to work together for a set amount of time? It's like, well, we don't. But, you know, it doesn't you're, you're likely not going to rewire your brain in 30 days. Maybe you can, right. you know, um, this this kind of has me curious about NLP. Like, how does NLP for you play into coaching and working with people?
3: So NLP um, plays in, in a couple of different ways. It, it really is a somatic approach and I work predominantly with leaders, right? So, and leaders in the corporate environment in particular more often than not kind of work from the neck up. They're very cognitive. You know, I mentioned that I was very analytical um, background and it took me a while to kind of pivot and realize, hey, I've got emotions. My body has sensations. What's the wisdom that I'm not tapping into? So with NLP, we can literally do exercises even over virtual, right? So, so I can invite a client to, to let's say they're having difficulty with a particular coworker and, and, um, they're trying to influence their opinion. I'll have them actually bring to mind a particular situation in the present. And and not only what are their thoughts, but what are their feelings? It's an exercise called perceptual positions. And then I'll have them kind of shake that off, kind of get rid of that energy and shift their position and take on the persona of the other person, take on their demeanor,
0: take on their, their breathing, take on their tonality. And we'll have a
3: conversation with regards to what are they noticing in Carmen over there. So, so literally Carmen is now out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and then we'll, we'll shake that off and we'll go into a, a, um, Third position, which is basically a neutral, wise um, observer. That could be Yoda. It could be a fly on, on the wall, whatever. And we'll ask, we'll kind of gather from the client, what did this wise observer observe? You know, a couple questions that are structured. And then they reflect on that and have, I mean, it's amazing how powerful that exercise can be with regards to a new insight and the wisdom of how they might interact with this person differently. So it helps generate an an appreciation, a level of empathy for another person's position. And there's, there's lots of things you can do with NLP
0: like that. I love that. I,
2: um, when I first started out coaching, I was working with somebody who was really judging themselves from some things they did in their past. Some, Mm -hmm. some mistakes they made, some things that, you know, as a 30 year old, they wouldn't have done, but they were like 16, 17, 18. And there was a lot of, uh, anger towards themselves. And, and this was my first year of coaching. I was, you know, I would read a lot. So I would learn a lot of things from books, but I was really just practicing so much back then. And it's funny, like, as I've never heard this as an the way you described it, but I asked them, we were, we were in person and I asked them to pretend their 16 year old self was sitting where I'm sitting. Yeah. And what would they, and what would they say to their 16 year old self? And then I asked them to switch, right? And like, now they're the 16 year old self and I'm their normal self. And I had no idea what I was what I was doing. It just seemed like intuitively, it seemed like if they could forgive themselves and see, like right from my perspective, it was like, oh my God, this is you're being so hard on the young version of you, which is a young version of you. We're supposed to make mistakes and like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, be teenagers and whatnot. And I didn't give her really any direction except, hey, have a conversation and see if you can understand each other. And she burst into tears while she was doing this, totally forgave herself. And at the end, she was completely shifted and and could see, you know, who she was being with herself from that, from simply saying, like the imagination of like, hey, they're sitting here, right? We didn't do anything. Um, So I love that idea of not only doing it with yourself, but actually like pretending you're in the other person's choose. Um, I've also thought about this when I've been working on my relationship to like my dad Mm -hmm. to go, you know, my dad behaves a certain way to me that I have opinions about that or, you know, or to the world. But what if I were to go and put myself in my dad's body or shoes and imagine the way he grew up and the way he was taught and the way he was treated and the way he was disciplined all of a sudden I have like this empathy for him. Like, Oh my God, this poor, this poor guy, you know, he, you know, it's like classic old school, Italian family. When he was bad, my grandma grabbed a spoon and whacked him with it. Well, like, what did that teach him? Mm -hmm. And those, and just like the way he grew up and then it shifts the way and I can go, Oh my God, I'm not, I can, I can like put down some of my issues with him and actually more connect with him because he's not a mean or bad person he's actually just somebody who experienced life just as i have
3: yeah yeah and and powerful right it's it's powerful to to have that additional lens to look through
0: and say oh you know what i can show up in a different way in this relationship and it'll have an impact yeah I,
2: I mean, if I'm bitter at him, right? Like, and I show up as kind of bitter or like judging him or upset with him, well, that's probably not going to go so well, right? But if I show up and I'm thinking, God, he's like really a sweet person who like didn't have the best upbringing, then it's like I'm showing up nice and sweet. Well, he he probably is going to react to nice and sweet better than. <laughs> love it, well, nice bitter. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Cause it's, this is probably when I look at my relationship to coaching, there's a lot of areas that my life has changed, but my relationship to my dad is probably one of the biggest ones. Cause it was one of the most strained. And it was an area that it was one of those things that I think we all do where we're like wanting the world to change for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Our boss should be different. Our society should be different. You know, our parents should be different. And those, all those things might be a mess. They might be pretty terrible And yet none of them are going to be different for us, right? It's only us. And it's pretty, it was pretty mind blowing for me to see, you know, now I've had my dad tell me he's proud of me over the last five years, more than I feel like my whole life combined. Yeah. I think I created that right by, right. We don't have a perfect relationship yet, but it continues to get better.
3: And, um, and you also talked about the fact that you have shifted a lot over the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, it sounds like he's seen that and he's experiencing it in how you mm-hmm. interact with him.
2: Yeah. And, and then it's, it's, it's funny. Cause we see, I don't, I think when people really dive into the coaching world, and I, I, if you have to, if you can share about this, please do, we see the people around us change even though they're not doing the work sometimes. Like I was with my parents and my parents got in a fight and I was sitting at the, at the table with them. And they had, you know, it was like a, a typical married couple, little spat, nothing, nothing, not that big a deal. Um, but my dad has more temper kind of things and he kind of like snapped and then stormed off. And when I was a kid, If my dad did something like that, we might not, he might sulk and be like absent for the rest of the night, maybe even into the next day, depending on the situation. And I think over the, and over the years I've I've noticed, but I didn't notice that time kept shrinking. Mm -hmm. And the other day when this happened the other day, a month ago, whatever it was, they got into this little spat and with less than 15 minutes later, my dad came back to where me and my mom were and apologized. Ah. And I sat there and I was like, oh, my God, that's transformation, right? It's like he's allowed to get mad. He's allowed to have his emotions. But the, but he with the cutoff time from like how long these emotions ran him, controlled him for and kept him out of a relationship had shortened right to a couple of minutes, 15 minutes tops.
3: Yeah. Um, and he came back and apologized, which sounds like that was another type of breakthrough for him
2: he's, he's always my dad. De- my parents are like, really, they were great examples of people too that apologized when, you know, I always, but they think the that the, di- the time, right. The, yeah. the span that like, I mean, I think if I, if I did something to you right here and then I didn't talk to you for two days, your feelings about me over two days might have, they might change, you know, you might have some more feelings because I haven't apologized. And if I apologize to you in five minutes, it's kind of like we get to clean it up and move on. Yeah. Um. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration and no traction? Did dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement.
3: Christopher ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries
2: as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now.
1: The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach.
2: I know that you know one of the things like when we look at this, how do how do you and how do you work with your clients to? deal with these things in like, I think a pretty challenging world, right? I don't It's like, we're in a world that there's a lot of things that we don't like how they are. We want mm-hmm. them to. be different. How, so how are you doing this for yourself? But how are you also doing it with other people to like navigate this?
0: So are, are we talking about navigating challenging times or navigating, um, Let's say, like, like, it, like, uh, navigating ourselves, okay,
2: inside yep. of what seems to be some chal- some really challenging times.
0: Okay,
3: so, so, um, there's a couple things. So, what I I try to do with myself and also bring to my clients is increasing my doing some intentional self reflection and really looking at questions around um, what are the patterns or behaviors that I notice that are getting in my own way, right? Because it might be a limiting belief. Um, It might be, for example, a belief that uh, corporate leaders really don't like to do somatic work. You know, so 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 that can be a limiting belief for me myself, in which case I won't offer that as part of my coaching. And that's that's the edge for me to really lean into. So increasing my self-awareness around that, shifting that limiting belief to something that's much more empowering that I will be of much greater service to these leaders by challenging them to get more in touch with the wisdom in their entire body by introducing even simple things like let's take a couple deep breaths to transition, right? Because that calms down our central nervous system. It gives us access to our prefrontal cortex um, there's a lot of little small things we can do like that. And then for me, it's a combination of things looking at what are the, um, so there's an exercise that, that I would invite you to, to potentially do Alex. Um, and that is to take out a piece of paper.
0: Should I, should I do this like
2: right now? Or is this like, yeah. a, okay. Yeah. That paper
3: me. So, so take out a piece of paper and what I'd like you to do is bring to mind a time when a parent, a teacher, a boss, someone that
0: um, was influential in your life said something that limited your potential and jot that, j- just jot a little, you know, what, whatever that was. doesn't have to be long. Uh, it's about Christopher, just so we're clear. No, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, good thing he's not on here today. So, so once you have that. Okay, I got it. All right. So now what I'd like you to do is bring to mind a current limiting belief that you have and jot that down on a piece of paper. Okay. Okay. So take that piece of paper. Yeah. Rip it up. Oh man, it's in a notebook. Uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's ripped up. I'm like. Ripped up,
3: all right. And say out loud, my brain growth is limitless.
2: My brain growth is limitless.
3: That's right, and and then what we would do is we would actually kind of play with. Okay, what's an empowering belief that would? So when I when I do this as just a, a reflection for myself, it's like oh, it's like the example I gave around. I had a limiting belief that um, leaders would not be open to doing some somatic related exercises to support them in their, their journey. And that was totally bogus, right? Yeah. And, and so what we're doing is we are helping to build different brain circuitry to empower that new and more empowering beliefs. So that's one piece. Another piece is around blind spots. We all have, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Johari window. But um, we'll say more. So, so with the Johari Window, there are things that are—it's you know, kind of think about four quad four, um quads. <clears throat> there are things that are unknown um, to us and to others. There are things that are known to others but unknown to us. Those are referred to as blind spots. Um, there are things that are known to us and to others, and then there are things that are known only to us. And so the idea is to expand that awareness and and make that unknown to us box smaller. And and ways that we do that is by not only paying attention to our own assumptions, um, our patterns of behavior, but asking other people for feedback on what they're noticing
0: that might be a blind spot what's an area that I may be unaware of which potentially could be something like um, your dad and and the relationship with your mom That, for example, you know, whenever you,
3: you get really upset, when I was a kid,
0: that would frighten me. I would think that I had caused something. Because kids quite often have all those stories. Really quick, I just want to, I think this is really cool. I want to just make sure if people are listening
2: that they can, the, the side should if people are listening, but people that are listening, um, Cause they might be, they might have it on, right? But maybe they're not paying attention for those that are paying attention that are with the class today. Uh, I, I have the quadrants. So it's like in one, in one quadrant, it's unknown to all, essentially. In yep. another quadrant, it's unknown to just us. In another, it's known to us. And then another, it's known to all of us. like us and us.
3: So, so, so think of it um, that.
2: I drew it out like a little, like four, like a little, four little squares, right?
3: Yeah. So, so known to us would be known, be known to you and me, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, known only to me and unknown to you. That's your blind spot. Yeah. 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 And, so then, and then there's the piece that only you know. Um, but, but at least you know it. And then there's the piece that neither of us know. That's, that's, you know, very likely very much in the unconscious realm.
2: So the unknown, the, the, I mean, so when I see this, I think that, okay, there's two areas really for us to really grow. There's always the unknown to all of us, right? Which is kind of like technology, science, innovation. We're all kind of expanding that as a, as a unit or cl- as a collective. But then to your point, the blind spot is just right. I can see something that you can't see. Right. Know something About like,
3: me. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: About me. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. And that's, and that quadrant is the, is the max, is like the area for growth.
3: That's, yeah, that's the area, definitely the area for growth. And then um, the, so, so the piece there is around how do you solicit feedback? The other piece that is an opportunity there is how do you
0: build um, sort of a network with people who think differently than you?
3: That, that can then kind of expand our perspective and, and help us, you know, in essence, ultimately grow our brain.
2: This is so, it's so funny because some, we just did a podcast, I think it was the last one we did, where Christopher interviewed me and my cousin um, about, I created recently this dating experiment where I essentially created like a made up version of The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. But women can, like, I'm going, I'm taking a woman on a trip to Tulum for basically two weeks. But I realized that, hey, one of my blind spots is how I choose who I'm going to date. So, one of the things I've, and I've done the, I've been doing the work to change things about myself so I can get closer to what I want. But one of the things I realized is I find people that I like and then I ignore other things, right? They're in, there's things in my blind spot that, like, friends and family can see that I just choose to ignore so part of this experiment is that my friends are choosing who wins this contest (laughs) right so on the the traditional bachelor right he gets to decide but that doesn't help him get out of his own way yeah now I get to meet these women I get to have conversations with these women they can decide at any moment that hey he's not for me I'm out but if they stay in uh my a group of my friends and possibly are well a group of my friends are deciding who is the winner of this contest and we even bring in factors right like um we were just talking about how maybe we might have the the finalists have to interview with my mom and and like what is that and right but i don't so the they'll hear my perspective right i can get to share with the judges what i think about each of these people but ultimately they get to decide who wins. And it's been a really interesting experiment because they'll really like someone and I'll go, "Eh, I don't know. And then they'll say why. And I'm like, oh man, I didn't even think about it like that. I didn't see that. Or because I know that they're paying attention, Mm -hmm. I'm noticing things that normally would be in my blind spot.
0: Ah. Yeah. Like Right. Like I'm
2: so su- because I'm aware and I do this work, I'm subtly aware of my blind spots, but it's kind of like people can't see you right now unless they happen. They were they're watching this video. Your background is blurred. Right. Yeah. I think some of my blind spots are not totally blacked
0: out. They're blurry.
3: Ah, there you go. Because you're you're curious about yeah. it. You're you're sort of on an exploration
2: It's the one, I was talking to somebody yesterday about how she, a friend of mine was like, thinks contentment is the worst thing in the world. And she said to somebody she was in a relationship with, she made a comment about them being content and they were very offended. And I said, you know, the interesting thing about contentment is it's however you feel about it. If you Mm -hmm. feel like you're happy with your life and you're content, then it's a great thing. If you feel content and that contentment feels like stuckness, and that there's more that you want, then contentment is like a, a stagnant thing, right? It's more of your relationship to the word than the, what the word means. But I felt like it took, if you take it a step further, that our life isn't one thing, right? That in my life, my, I'm very content with my business. I'm very mm-hmm. content with the amount of money that I make. Could I make more Would what I live? Sure, but I actually am like really good but am I content with my relationship situation? No, there's something I really want that I want to be different. Am I content with, you know, like, and I think that that's a, a that with blind spots, a lot of us aren't aware. We're like, Oh, life, our life is good. Right. Or things are fine. Or like, it's not that bad, but it's like, Hey, what if we pulled that, you know, that, that, that darkness away and you could actually see, wait, in this part of my life, it's not, yeah. In this part of my life, there are things I want that I'm not able to see why I'm kind of stuck. That's how I.
3: Well, and what that brings up for me is you're elevating your conscious awareness, right? You're kind of like moving the spotlight and saying, hey, here's an area that I I really am curious about. And I I have some. um Desires to enrich this in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Go ahead.
3: Well, I was just going to say when when we elevate ourselves kind of to a more conscious level, that creates an opening, right? Being open to possibility, being more mm-hmm. curious, being open to learning,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and and some really powerful, I think questions that we can ask ourselves are wonder questions which is out of the um conscious leadership space and and you know it could be i wonder what patterns my thoughts and behaviors um are, what what patterns i notice that are holding me back and and, and what's what's the value of those
0: or i wonder um what i could ask myself to create a breakthrough or i wonder what i could do
3: today that would catapult me into the future i desire
0: i take this
2: i think even a step further personally sometimes i challenge clients to do this is when you if you say that answer whatever that wonder answer is that that you know intuitive hit uh to take an to a jump on it right away that you know we have this belief in our society in our world that we wish we should think before we act we should think before we make decisions and i agree when we're upset we should think when we're in our emotions we probably like especially on like let's say the 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 emotions like sadness, anger, frustration, those like triggered emotions, we should probably slow down and actually think. But when we're in emotions of inspiration, excitement, joy, love, Mm -hmm. I think we just need to act. Because when we think, our brain will get us out of our body and out of those emotions and into, well, does this make sense? Is it logical? So I love the wonder questions from that standpoint of like if you tap into something when asking yourself wonder questions. Right. Like we, this, this experiment I just shared with you got started by wonder questions. I said to my cousin, maybe you should pick who I date, right? Like that was kind of like, it, was, it wasn't a question for me, but it was, it was a question that we threw out. Like, what if I didn't choose my own dates anymore? And then that had us go, well, what if you chose who went to Tulum with me? Right? And the wonder question kept expanding to all of a sudden we created something that has been so fun Mm -hmm. And made, you know, it's made something that had lost its appeal. Dating had like lost its appeal and then it became fun again. Now, do we know if we'll get my, you know, the partner for me? Absolutely not. But we know we're all having a really good time. (laughs) And I think like if we were talking, if this was a business, if you were, if you, if we were, if you and I were coaching at a company or you were coaching at a company and they were, and the, and the CEO was like not having any fun anymore. Well, we don't know how exactly we're going to get the big result, but we do know that if the CEO starts having more fun or more enjoyment, yeah. there's probably a likelihood that they're going to get the results. More likely, they're going to get some results they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which
3: kind of goes to um, intrinsic motivation, right? But, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's, it's the intrinsic motivation kind of goes all the way up to the level of love. And, and, you know, what, what really gets you out of bed in the morning? What really, what are you striving to do? What kind of impact are you
0: striving to have? And if you need to pivot something in your thinking, then it's time to pivot it. I love that.
2: It's, I didn't, you know, we, we our society is so results driven, Mm -hmm. numbers driven. And I I was just thinking the other day about how, you know, if even if we look at countries, right, how is a country deemed successful? Pretty much their economy. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. We have the best economy in the world and the people in the country are miserable and sick and committing suicide and depressed. I don't think that's a, that's not a great measure of success for me.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: And and we, and I might say vice versa, right? If everyone's happy, but they don't have enough food. Well, it's great that they're happy, but what how, how do we get them food right there's a there's some there's some mixture like how do we define success in a way that's actually in service of us and i think I like the intrinsic motivation that you just pointed to in the sense of when I started this journey and I find most of my clients that their motivation is some external thing that you know society has kind of put in them that hey our company needs to make this much money we need to grow to this size our stock needs to be this mm-hmm. we need to have this many houses or be married or something. And my, I've never, I don't think I've really ever had this said this, but like my, the, the shift that I see, the major coaching shift was when I went, Oh, my intrinsic motivation is joy. Yeah. And I'm just happy when I, when I live my life for happiness, well, I still write my books. I still coach my clients, but my, but I show up from a different place than like, oh, I got to get another client or I'm not
0: going to be able to pay my rent.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point, really looking at how we
0: individually define success for ourselves without that cloud of external definition, right? Because quite
3: often, the the definition of success kind of comes from our family of origin or our experience, et cetera. And at some point, when we really look at how do I define success, I ask this that question of my clients all the time, and they're like startled, right? Because they're, they're like, well, do you mean at work? It's like, I just mean, how do you define success?
0: How do you define it?
2: What is success for you?
3: So, so success for me is living my life spontaneously and creating
0: the environment to develop the leaders of the future. And that's one person at a time, right? It's like, how do you create that ripple effect? Human, humanistic ripple effect. Love that. Um, is there anything you, this time is like flying by,
2: I know, I want to tell people that if they go, if they go to your website, which is masterfulcollaboration.com, um, I think you have articles there, right? There's articles on your website. There's also a simple self-reflection questionnaire uh, that people can download.
3: Yep. Yep. And, um, it's the one is called bust your limiting beliefs, grow your, your brain. And it has the, the piece of that exercise that you and I briefly did.
2: Oh, nice. Okay.
3: Yeah. So
2: masterfulcollaboration.com. Um, is there any, you know, is there anything that you, that I haven't asked you that you want to share, a soapbox moment, um, <laughs> something that you've been pressed to talk about that you want to leave people with today?
0: Um, I think the one thing is, it's an Albert Einstein quote. And it
3: is the mind that opens to a new idea, never returns to the original size. And and the reality is we all, our brain has a limitless potential. It's just the speed at which we can accomplish things varies
0: individual to individual. Believe in yourself. I've never heard that quote. Um, It made me think of once you see through a,
2: a pane of glass that's clean, and not, if it's ever never clean, if it's not clean, you will always be a parent. It can never once that you see it like one way, you can never see it the, like you can see it the other way, but it will never be okay for you, yeah, yeah, um that's great, thank you, um Carmen, thanks so much for being here with us today uh, thanks for you know you didn't know Christopher wasn't gonna show up, so thanks for just being with me and <laughs> having time with just me. I appreciate that um uh, again, I just want to tell people where they can find you, which is masterfulcollaboration.com. Uh, you're also on LinkedIn, so they can look you up. And I'm just going to spell your last name for people. Well, I'll just spell your whole name, but it's it's Carmen, which I don't need to spell, and then Acton, A-C-T-O-N, and you can find her also on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, uh,
3: Alex. And, and have a fabulous uh, adventure in Tulum.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I figured I would update people because Christopher was like, "You're going to have to update us along the the journey of this experiment." Um, <laughs> for sure. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you being here, listening to this conversation, supporting coaching, and coaches. Um, we will see you next time on the Coaching Show.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.